Hello on the sidelines, fans. I'm your host, as always, Cameron Capobianco. And joining me today is former Toronto FC striker, former MLS striker, Andrew Wiedemann. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Cameron. Looking forward to this. So before we get into just your MLS career, life after football now or soccer since we're in North America, just let's start off with what made you want to become a professional football player? Uh, what made me want to become a professional football player? Um, well, I've got a real job now, so I would say the, the work hours, uh, much more lenient when you're a professional soccer player. Um, no, I, I, I grew up playing soccer like most, uh, most American kids in the nineties. I, you know, I played basketball, I played baseball, I played soccer. Um, I was good at baseball and soccer. Uh, and I think it was come eighth grade, uh, I had to basically make a decision to play either baseball or soccer kind of year round and, and soccer at the time had the Olympic development program. So I kind of knew where I stood there, didn't have the same sort of thing for baseball. So, uh, I went with soccer because I figured I was better at that one and then just stuck with it. So it's very, very different growing up and playing sports back then versus now to where, you know, you're in an academy at like three years old and, you know, playing 400 days a year and all that fun stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you hundred percent. It is a lot different now, but just to start off with your early career, you've played with the San Jose frogs in the US uh, PL, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that's what it's called or the USL. Oh yeah. Uh, you played in with the NorCal Limerinda United uh, in the NASL. So yeah, just before we get into your MLS as well, just First of all, what was the difference between playing in the United States and playing in Canada? Uh, in terms of what, like at the professional Just level? Just a style of play or anything. Like, because some people say there's a difference. I don't know if you found that difference. Uh, was there a difference to you if you saw it? Um, I mean, honestly, not really. I mean, I'm, I'm comparing, um, I mean, in terms of like on the field and whatnot, my only perspective you know, where I can do an apples to apples comparison is, is, uh, at the pro level. Right. And so, um, stylistically, I wouldn't say there was much difference. Um, I would say at the time, uh, the support from the Canadian fans was, was super aggressive and, and, and impressive. I mean, I got traded in, what was it? 2012 from Dallas and, um, I mean, a couple of years before, uh, we set the record at the time for longest unbeaten streak. Right. And we probably had 7,000 fans on average at a game. Right. Uh, and then you went up to Toronto and I think that year, just before I got there is when Danny Cooperman's had the whole worst team in the world quote, right. They started out 0 and nine. It was a, uh, not memorable season. Uh, to say the least. And uh, the fans would still come out uh, in abundance. Right. And they were always there. They're always loud, even though we weren't great. So, I mean, from a support perspective, I'm, I'm comparing Dallas to, to Toronto, but I mean, Toronto stood up and, and showed out. Right. Um, so that, that part was pretty cool. Absolutely. So since you mentioned Dallas, let's just jump right into it. You were drafted by Dallas in the 2010 MLS super draft. So for you, where were you, first of all, when you found out you were getting drafted, to Dallas and the MLS? Uh, I was in Philadelphia. I, I went to the draft. Um, so I did, uh, I, I had one of those generation Adidas contracts in 2010. So I was, I was in Dallas or in Philadelphia for the draft. Um, 
And it was funny because, man, like, you know, they all the GA guys and I think the signed seniors went straight from the combine in Fort Lauderdale up to Philadelphia. And, you know, we had a few days to kill between, uh, you know, between when the combine ended and the draft started. And so everyone would hang out. And uh, the general consensus amongst everyone was, I don't really care where I go. I just don't want to go to Dallas. And uh, then lo and behold, I got, I got drafted to Dallas. Um, but uh, I ended up loving it there, man. Like great, great city, great people. Um, but uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of funny that no one wanted to go there. And then I obviously ended up there. So, well, what did it mean to you or what were the emotions like just knowing in general that you got drafted to the MLS? Uh, it was awesome, man. I mean, it was, uh, it was a, a lifelong dream fulfilled. Right. And obviously at that time, I think the draft had a little bit more weight than it does now. Um, to where, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, uh, you know, people don't pay too much to get to the draft now too much attention just because you've got the academies producing so much talent. Um, but it was awesome. I mean, to be able to go out there and say I got drafted and, you know, my whole family was out there. So it was kind of a big trip and event and whatnot. It was, it was, uh, it was surreal. It was pretty cool. So you made your debut for FC Dallas in the U S open cup and the probably the biggest, one of the biggest tournaments in North America. What was going through your head when you were about to step onto the pitch for the first time, especially in such a big game, like the U S open cup? Um, uh, man, I couldn't even tell you, honestly, it was so long ago. Um, I, I think it was against, I want to say it was against DC, maybe at DC and the old RFK stadium. And I don't know how much time I subbed on with left. Right. So I don't know. I was probably pretty excited, I guess, but I, I, I can't tell you that it's a vivid memory. That's like, you know, burned into my brain. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I you know, probably, what? probably, I'm, probably not the response you were looking for, but that's no, the but honest, you know what? Uh, a lot the of these truth. questions coming up are going to be trying to probably test your memory on how much do you remember from your playing career too? So, oh, geez. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll have to try and access yeah, the recesses then. So if we can jump ahead to the Toronto days now, um, can you walk us through your first, I don't know if this one's burnt in your head, but can you walk us through your first professional goal against the Colorado Rapids? Yeah, that one I can for sure. I mean, geez, there were just so many goals that I had throughout my career. So it's hard to remember them all. That's sarcasm for your listeners. Uh, the again, yeah, against Colorado. I mean, I got traded there. I got traded to Toronto. I think I, my first game, like I met the team in new England and then we came back and, um, that might've been the first game actually in, uh, at BMO field. And, uh, yeah, I mean, subbed on, I think, you know, the team probably hadn't won a game, I think all year at that point. Um, uh, and then, or no, I think we actually won the game before. So this was our second win in a row, but yeah, subbed on and, and, uh, I, I can't remember who it was exactly. It might've been like Luis Silva, like had the ball on the right and tried to hit a shot or put it across. And I kind of, it was honestly just like an, um, you know, reaction goal, right. Kind of instincts turning my foot and trying to just clip something on frame. I think it hit the post and went in and it was, yeah, it was awesome. I mean, cause I was drafted as a striker. I did the typical, uh, uh, you know, thing for college forwards who go to the league and then find themselves playing outside back. And, uh, I wasn't very good at defending, so that didn't work out too well. Um, so it was cool to then, you know, come in to a place, get traded, get a fresh start and then, you know, get off to a hot start. Right earn a little bit of confidence. So. Yeah. Well, there's another goal I want to talk about too. It's a goal that you scored against the Columbus crew. You guys were, I believe down one to nothing. Then it was a tying goal. And then you got a goal on the cross um, against Columbus, which gave you the game winning goal. 
can you maybe, if you can recall that goal too, maybe walk us through that one? Because that too, I believe, was a big goal as well for Toronto. Oh, the day Wet Wiedemann was born, man. You know, I'll still, I'll still get things in Twitter about that to this day, actually. Uh, no, it was, uh, that was incredible. I mean, that was probably one of my favorite moments, right? It was uh, absolutely pissing down rain and most people cleared out. Um, and yeah, I mean, we were, I think down one, nothing. And then came back, I think Oso scored in like the 82nd, 83rd minute or something to tie it up. And then, um, you know, that goal was one of the final, uh, kicks of the ball. And for me personally too, it was, it was awesome. Cause that kind of revamped that year for me. Um, you know, I started out and played early on in that year. And then, uh, I remember we were, we we're going to San Jose, uh, and it was going to be like a week long road trip, right? Cause it was on LA and then up to San Jose or something like that. And so I was excited because that's where I'm from. I was going to be able to see family. And I had a, I had a bad stretch before that. I think there were a couple of cup games I had played bad in. And uh, I got dropped from the travel roster altogether, right? And so that was like a big, uh, you know, big kick to um, – big ego shot. Just it, it hurt, right? Because um, normally those trips you take more than 18 anyways, right? Uh, so I got left back and had to work my way back into the team. And I think that Columbus game was probably my first game back in terms of like actually – getting minutes, uh, and seeing the field. So it was, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty cool to be able to, um, obviously get that goal, get the win. Um, and then obviously like in that environment as well, uh, was, was pretty fantastic. Absolutely. So I just want to run through a couple of players that you play with and just maybe get your thoughts on each player that, that you played with. Obviously you had guys on that team, like Ashton Morgan, who just actually recently retired playing with Forge FC in the Canadian premier league, Kyle Beck yeah. who's playing in the Canadian premier league. Then he had, like you said, in that one nothing, uh, the guy who tied it for after being down one nothing against Columbus, Jonathan Osorio, you played with at a rookie year, actually, funny enough. And then mm-hmm. he had a legend like Dwayne De Rosario. So what was it like playing with all these guys? Um, it, it was awesome, man. I mean, uh, those guys uh, obviously have done a ton to, I think, grow the Canadian game, right? Um, I mean, yeah, Ashton retiring. Ashton was probably one of the original homegrowns there, right? I think when I got traded, they were they probably had six homegrowns on the roster uh that year and and he was uh you know, he was one of the OGs and he kind of set that path for like local Toronto kids, right? Him and Daniel Henry and, and and some of those guys and then obviously went on to have a really, really good career. I mean, Ashton was steady. Um and uh, probably flew a little bit under the radar a lot, uh, but he was he was a really really good player. And then obviously Oso has done fantastic for himself. I mean, he just produces year after year, and he's just always steady. And obviously he's getting recognized for that and getting compensated as he as he should, which is awesome. Um, Kyle Becker was a fantastic fantastic guy, just awesome guy on the field and off the field as well. Um, and then, yeah, Dero was a, uh, I mean, I played with Dero at the end of his career. Right. Um, but he was, you know, Canadian legend, MLS legend, legend in general. Um, so it was, it was cool being able to kind of play with him, see how you approach things. Um, I actually just saw him out in, uh, North Carolina cause they, they had that TST 77 tournament for all the old heads. So I, I played in that, he played in that and I'll tell you what, man, he still got it. Right. Like, not uh probably not gonna beat you for pace but technique man he's he's he can still move man he's still got the celebration on lock too i was so. just about to say maybe the celebration too will be because i don't think anybody in the mls will beat that celebration that he had no iconic right iconic just uh going jumping ahead now to the 
tail end of your career, you know, what was going through your head when you were like, okay, now's the time to say I'm, I had an, I had a fun career, but now it's time to hang up the boots. Like what was going through your head and to make that announcement? Yeah, man. I mean, so when I left Toronto, uh, I think I had the thought like everyone does, it was, right, I'm going to drop down a level, go to NASL, kind of prove myself and springboard back up. Right. Didn't work out like that. Right. The reality is it's very, very, very hard uh, to fall out of MLS and then get back in. There's very few guys that actually do that. Um, so that's when I went to Ottawa, uh, obviously didn't work out, um, as far as making it back into the league. Um, and so that's where, like, honestly, I was ready to retire after that year. Um, uh, but I said, you know, Hey, if I get something that's interesting and, uh, I can at least live off of, I'll go do it. And so that's when Cincinnati came about as kind of the expansion franchise in USL at the time. Um, they got John Harks as their head coach. Like it was just really interesting what they were trying to do, the support that they, you know, thought they were going to have and ultimately came through on. Um, so I think I signed a two year deal there. My girlfriend at the time, uh, moved out with me and, you know, I said, look, like we'll go, we'll do it for a year. Uh, if we like it, cool. We'll stick around for the second, but that's absolutely going to be it. Um, if we don't like it, then we'll duck out on the second year of the contract. I'll go back, I'll finish up my degree and then I'll move on to, you know, real life. Right. So I was, um, uh, I, I think I've always been, uh, uh, fairly realistic in my expectations. Right. Um, and very fortunate in that I knew that I'd be able to, you know, soccer wasn't my only path, be able to go and do something else and, you know, make a living and, and probably a better living than I did playing soccer anyways. Right. Um, and so I was very, very fortunate in that regard and kind of able to come to peace and understand, you know, a couple of years out, Hey, this is going to be the path. Right. And kind of make peace with that. Um, which was it made the transition a hell of a lot easier. Right. Absolutely. So just jumping ahead now to the real, real question of real world work and everything that we were talking about just before and earlier on this podcast. Um, at first going from player to now real, real world work, um, did you find that it was like an easy transition at all? Like, or did you maybe say that, you know, what's getting, it's tough at first. Like what was like the first initial steps to the transition? Uh, well, so when I finished playing, I, I actually worked for Wasserman as a player agent for a couple of years. Um, so it was nice because that was the, the, the group that represented me when I played and, um, I had a really close relationship with my agent. So we kind of had discussions towards the end of my career about what was next and, the idea of me trying to work with them came up. Right. So, um, the, the plan was always, I was going to go back to school. I had to actually be on campus for six months to get my degree from Berkeley as opposed to, you know, whatever other university that I was taking stuff through online. Um, so it was nice that I kind of had something set up. Um, so I went into that and that was a way to kind of still be able to be involved in the game, albeit on the business side. Right. So it was a nice transition. Um, and the reality of that industry as well is, you know, it's more so you got to have your phone and be available. Right. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be in an office for you know 15 hours a day. Um, so I did that for a couple of years and just didn't, didn't love it. Right. With the way kind of the landscape is now. Um, I felt like I was kind of at, at odds between like the business component versus the moral component of, you know, chatting with, you know, young kids all the time and trying to tell them to, you know, go pro when the reality is, you know, how many of them were actually going to make it. Um, 
And so that's when I started looking to other opportunities. And then I transitioned in like to the actual real world, right. the actual corporate world. And now I'm working for a, uh, it's a, it's a logistics startup, um, like, a, in, in the tech space. So it's, uh, very similar to Uber, but we do it for like a very kind of niche segment of, of trucking. Right. So just jumping ahead down to my last question, Andrew, before I let you go is just, if you had to look back at your career and any pieces of advice that you can give to younger kids or maybe even younger adults who possibly want to follow in your footsteps and play at the pro level like you did, or maybe even just start going through a transition now where they're done playing and now they have to go into the real real world. I mean, it's kind of like two different questions for people that are playing. I mean, I, I'd, I'd say just enjoy it. Right. Like it goes by, it goes by quick. I mean, I'm going to be what 34 next week. And there's guys, I mean, there's guys that are still playing, right. That are my age. Um, but, uh, I remember every single manager that I had, uh, Ryan Nelson specifically would always talk about like, it's over in the blink of an eye. Right. So you got to really enjoy it. You got to savor it, you know, not take anything for granted. And you kind of always roll your eyes a little bit. The reality is it goes like that quick. Right. And that's just life in general now. Right. It's, I, uh, work ends on Friday and all of a sudden it's Monday. Right. And then rinse and repeat. Um, but like, as far as people that are playing and then, you know, looking at like a transitionary period, honestly, the biggest asset that anyone has as a professional soccer player is the amount of free time. Right. Like I mentioned at the top, a long day, as a pro soccer player is what four hours, right? If you're in and you're hitting the gym and doing all the extras, right. Um, that's nothing. So that means you got a ton of downtime and, and, uh, obviously there's a lot of people that, you know, take a load off, right. You take care of your body, you do all of that. Right. But most soccer players in the U S most Americans, most Canadians, uh, they're not going to retire and then be set. They're going to have to work after. Right. And so the biggest asset you have is, uh, the amount of free time. Right. And so in terms of that transitionary period, taking advantage of that, right. Doing stuff to kind of set yourself up for success afterwards. Right. Whether that's internships or classes, right. Or just work experience or side hustle or whatever it may be. Right. Networking relationships, all that sort of stuff. Like the people that I see that are able to make that transition the best, take advantage of that time. The ones that don't, um, you know, are the ones that are, I don't know, playing 15 hours of call of duty or whatever it may be. Right. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Andrew, I want to say thank you so much for joining me on this episode of On the Sidelines. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this interview. It's 8 o'clock here uh, at, at night here in Canada. What time is it over there? Uh, it is 5.23. Yep. Six so, time. Very big time difference here between where we are and everything. But again, thank you so much with your busy workload and everything for taking the time to do this interview. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. No, it was a pleasure. Appreciate you uh, having me on and chatting with me. Guys, Andrew Wiedemann of, well, former Toronto FC and former MLS striker. I'm Cameron Capobianco, and we'll catch you guys next time.